0: I could feel my legs and my lungs burning. I was that proverbial fish fruitlessly gulping in mouthfuls of oxygen. My baby blue aluminum triathlon bike creaked and moaned as I ascended another 9% Vermont hybrid mountain. I had entered the Boston to Vermont bike race primarily to ride more than a century before my first full Ironman in the mountains of Mount Tremblant. Having started the ride with over 400 other bikers in Boston, I was sure to have company to support me along the way, but I didn't. There was not one single biker nearby, in front or behind me. Well, I take that back. I was definitely not alone. Behind me there was a slow moving car following me. For miles it followed me until I had enough and I pulled my bike over to my utter annoyance and surprise. The car with bike racks and bikers pulled over too. Out stepped a tall athletic biker donning a wide friendly grin. He introduced himself and told me he was a driver for the sweeper car. "What's a sweeper car?" I asked, still gasping for breath he explained that a, that sweeper cars are meant to follow the last person on the course to check for safety or to get them off the course if they've gone over the expected course time what are you telling me i'm the last person my neck pulsated and tears welled up i didn't want to cry i was 49 years old at the time I was way too old to be crying about being last, but I had never in my life been last before. I think the young guy knew I was having a hard time grappling with the fact that I was the last person on the course that day. So we interrupted my moment of self-pity and said, "Um, hey, you did great. You made it 75 miles. Why don't we just load your bike and you can ride with us to the finish? I can't. I immediately said, cutting him off. I'm training for a full Ironman, and the bike leg is 112 miles. If I can't make 100 miles today, how am I going to make 112 miles in a few months? In addition to that, I have to swim 2.4 miles and then run 26.2 miles after my bike. I have to bike 100 miles today, or I'm going to forever doubt myself. I stood tall and looked him square in the eye. At this point, I really wanted to quit, but something in me would not let me. Out of the car, and another Olympian looking biker walked out. She handed me a Snickers bar and a Coke. Here, we notice that you've not eaten or hydrated in miles. Ah, I should have planned better, I said, casting my eyes down. I should have planned better, I thought I should have. I took the candy bar. Why Snickers, I asked. Oh, I've eaten Snickers in every one of my R.M.N. races. They're lifesavers. I'm Karen Smyers, by the way. She held out her hand. Hey, listen, we'll follow you until you get to 100 miles. And then we are going to have to take you off the course. Are you okay with that? I'm okay with that, I said, and thanks. By the way, you know who she is? Asked the young guy. I shook my head. She is the reigning world Ironman Kona champ. I looked at her and, I s- and smiled. Ah, I guess, listen, I guess if you tell me Snickers and hydration will help me get to 100 then. If you said it, it must be true. I don't remember everything about that next 25 grueling miles. I struggled up every semi-mountain and worried that the sweeper car would eventually get tired of following me at such a slow pace. But I did feel hope, a sense that I was not alone in my struggle. Every thought of self-doubt was washed away with cheers from the sweeper car and stopped for more charity snickers and hydration. My butt ba- I felt Mile after mile, I climbed or soared down those steep declines, white-knuckling it, and then I saw it. The 100-mile marker banner was brilliantly displayed in front of an equally brilliantly white church, signaling to me that my day was almost over. Could see a group of volunteers packing up the day's boxes of oranges, jells, and water bottles. Someone from the sweeper car must have radioed the hundred-mile volunteers because as I was within 500 yards, the clapping and cheering started. Four volunteers cheered for me as I was, as if I was the first one in the race. I smiled shyly as I pulled up and dismounted. They were still cheering, and for the first time that day. I realized that being last could also feel like being first. When I was in seventh grade, I won my first ever cross-country race. I was the only girl on the team. Now, I'm sure the boys and the coach didn't expect a girl to beat all of the boys, but I did. The following day, my coach gave a speech and handed out the season's trophies. The boys received their standard boy trophies. And for the last race of the season, I was asked to come up to receive mine. I walked up proud, and the coach congratulated me. Then the applause. It was only when I returned to my desk that I noticed that the trophy was not a girl's trophy; it was some boys'. I immediately knew the coach never expected me, a girl, to win. I knew, but he didn't. There was something in me when i was younger unexplained that would not accept defeat and rather than lament over the obvious trophy gender insult i instead felt flattered that he had underestimated me i thought of that day long ago as i was in the sweeper car listening to soft music and conversations around me i thought of all the times in my life when i was underestimated worth. Yet, this time, I was the one who underestimated me. Had it not been for a community of strangers supporting me and cheering me on, I most likely would have quit that day. In Peter Kloves and Doug Strycharski's book, Developing Mental Toughness, they define mental toughness as quality which determines, in large part, how people deal effectively with challenges, stressors, and pressure, irrespective of prevailing circumstances. Mentally tough people share some common character traits. One, they take responsibility for their actions. Two, they consistently challenge themselves. Three, they don't personalize failure. Four, they are confident in their abilities. stronger athletes, stronger everything. And for me, mental toughness meant I finished six full Ironman. Yet, after pouring over that research on elite athletes and mental toughness, I realized that none of the research identified what I consider the most important factor in achieving challenging goals. Every athlete or non-athlete needs a support crew like I had that day in Vermont to carry them when the challenges seems so unsurmountable. Success comes when you're mentally tough. You begin to see failure as an opportunity for growth, but you also need in your life support systems. In triathlons, they call support systems people, your family, your loved ones, Sherpas, Those are people who volunteer to help you with logistics and emotional help. They might carry a bike to the car after 14 hours or more of you racing when your body can't move anymore. We all need Sherpas in a life, support crew. We need them to help motivate us when we're empty emotionally. This helps us become mentally strong. That group of strangers in Vermont years ago taught me a valuable lesson. We need each other to be tough, to finish, to reach that finish line. What I learned is that winning is not always winning. Sometimes it's coming in last and coming in within inches of quitting only to be given hope and confidence from the hardest time because it was hard. Only to be given hope from a group of people who believe in you. Winning can mean you came in last. I finished my first Ironman later that summer on a new lighter bike. I was faster and more confident because of that failed Vermont 140 bike ride months before. I'm currently training for my seventh Ironman race and I would not be able to complete the race without my sharpies in my life.